0: A uh, little, little pop quest, uh, pop test for you, okay? I'm, I'm going to list some people, describe some people. You tell me what all of these people have in common, okay? You, you with me or do you guys like this? What do all of these people have in common? A teenager who gives in to peer pressure, a workaholic who's still reacting to his father's words, you're never going to amount to anything, a wife who gives in to the demands of an abusive husband, A man who never reveals what he's really thinking or feeling. A person whose schedule is constantly overbooked because they don't know how to say no. You tracking with me? A Christian who has never shared their faith with their coworkers or neighbors. What does that group of people have in common? Fear of rejection. We're in a series that we're simply calling Stop Running Scared. And what we're talking about, of course, is not the, the idea of fear, because fear in itself is not wrong. Fear is an emotion that God gave us. It keeps us from doing stupid stuff. It gets us to stop and say, wait a minute, let me think about this before I step off the cliff, before I step off this building. I should, I should be afraid of heights a little bit, at least measure my responses. So we're not talking about fear uh, alone, but we are talking about living under the spirit of fear. We're talking about living under a cloud of fear. We're talking about making our life decisions based on fear rather than faith. That's what we're talking about. And week by week through the series, we've been talking about some specific fears, very common fears that, frankly, all of us have to wrestle with and deal with. It's part of the human equation, and we're trying to overcome it. Here's what I need you to know. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, key verse for the whole series. Let's read it together. One, two, three, go. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So again, today we're talking about rejection and not just rejection, but the fear of rejection. Letting the fear of rejection, the spirit of the fear of rejection, uh, cause us to define the way we relate to the people in our lives. How many of you agree with me? We live in a culture that really feeds approval addicts. I mean, we all know people, some of us are people, who define our sense of self-worth by how many likes, views, comments we got on our social media feed, how many retreats we got from our Twitter account or whatever social media thing that you do. And the Bible says it's a trap. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25, fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is what? Safe. 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 The fact that Solomon wrote that 2,500 years ago tells me (coughs) this is not a a 21st century problem. This is an age-old problem. Social media is just the latest platform for feeding it. So you can blame social media if you want to. This is part of the human equation. So the real question becomes, how how do we uh, develop this fear? If it's so common and it's age-old, then how do we get here? And, And the answer is experience. You don't have to live long before you find out some people you meet like you, and some people you meet don't like you. I mean, that's hard for me to believe that everybody doesn't like me. Come on. I meet people from sometimes that say, this is Jim Wall. I say, oh, you're Jim Wall. What does that mean? (laughs) The problem is that rejection hurts. Can I get an amen? And it doesn't take much. You ever been rejected by a look? You ever had somebody roll their eyes at you when you said something? It hurts, doesn't it? Rejection is, is a painful thing. You, you, ever have, you ever seen a wife control her husband with a look? Come on, guys. You sit real still. Ladies, you smile at me because you know what I'm talking about. I don't know if there's a manual somewhere that they train you ladies in from birth, but you have a look that we guys don't have. I've tried to have the look with Kim. Where's Kim? She's here today. I've tried to have the look. It doesn't work. She just laughs at me when I do it. But when she looks, I can't look at her. I just... Now what I want you to know, you know I've you been in missions all my life. I've preached on three continents, four continents, and I've talked about the look everywhere I've been, and they all know in every language, women have a look. Amen. <laughs> One brave man in the room admitted it. <coughs> but whatever form rejection takes, the sad reality is that the walking wounded are among us all the time people who have never gotten over the feeling of rejection from their parents or their siblings or their spouse or a church. That one really breaks my heart. Co-workers. So today I want to help. I want to help you overcome the fear of rejection. Now let me be clear. I cannot remove the sting of rejection. I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do that. The Bible doesn't do that other than, Looking to the Lord, but I can help you move beyond being defined by it. If you listen to what the Scriptures say, you can move beyond living in fear of it happening again and defining the way you relate to people based on that fear. Because what we're talking about is not fear itself; we're talking about the spirit of fear that defines how we do relationships. So I got three simple uh, anecdotes to the uh, to the fear of rejection. Three simple parts of the formula, uh, let me tell you what they are, and then we're going to unpack them together first. If you want to overcome the fear of rejection, you got to put God in first place. Say it with me, put God in first place. Then you got to put people in their place. Come on, put people in their place. Somebody said, I love that one. I mean I get to drop kick people? That's not what it means. <laughs> and number three, put yourself in the proper place. Put God in first place, put people in the in, in their place, and then put yourself in the proper place. So if you need to go get brunch, God bless you. Thanks for coming. If you want more information about this, stick around for a few more minutes. But first, let me make sure we understand why this is so important. I'm just thinking this week and praying this week about, uh, about my own experience with the fear of rejection and its impact on me, uh, and, and then people that I've known and worked with through the years, and its impact on them. And I thought of six things. You tell me if you've ever... Uh, had to deal with some of these six six things that the fear of rejection, rejection does to us. Number one, it allows people to manipulate us. Is that true? Advertisers do it all the time. If you don't buy our product, you'll be stupid. You ever bought something from a salesperson because you didn't want to admit you couldn't afford it? Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. It causes us to conform to peer pressure inevitably we find, this is what human beings do they, they find a group they want to be a part of and then they begin, they begin to conform to that group. Even the non-conformist movement of the 60s dressed alike looked alike and smelled alike I mean that's what they did that's, that's, that's what human beings do right It keeps us from speaking the truth or perhaps at least withholding truth because we're afraid if we tell you the truth you might not like us, so we hold back in in our staff meetings. Uh, pastor Jim, our executive pastor is here. Uh, he can attest to this in our staff meetings. Uh, I will say, okay, guys, the, the the reality is with human beings, you know, even when we're being totally honest, we're being ninety-five percent honest. So in our staff meetings, we talk about the last five percent. What's the last five percent? Come on, give me the last five percent. Let's let's be clear with each other before we move forward, because. I don't know how you're going to react, so I don't know what to say. It causes shyness and, and isolation, loneliness. I got burned in a marriage, so I'm never going to marry again. I got burned on a stove, so I'm never going to cook again. You know, it's just what we do. I got hurt in a church. It's okay, I'll go to church, but I'm just going to slip in and slip out. I'm not going to connect. I'm not going to serve. I'm not going to join a bridge group. Are you kidding me? No, no. I'll just go to meetings. It produces depression and unhappiness. The psalmist David said, I'm in despair. Insults and rejection have broken my heart. Living in the disapproval of others and letting that define how you view yourself is a miserable place to live. Anybody say amen to that one? But the one with the most eternal impact is it stops us from sharing our faith. I mean, even the early followers of Jesus fell prey to that one. John chapter 12, verse 42 and three, but many believed in Jesus, even many of the leaders, but because of the Pharisees, they did not say they believed in him for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. They loved praise from people more than praise from God. These are the people that actually walked the streets with Jesus and they allowed it to impact them. And so we can fall prey to, I don't know how they're going to react if I share my faith. If I tell them about Jesus, if I say, I'll be praying for you, how are they going to react? Even though eternity is at stake for people that we love. Bottom line is the fear of rejection affects every area of our lives. So the question that I want us to address for a few minutes this morning is how do you overcome the fear of rejection? How do you deal with it? Again, I can't take the sting away uh, because it hurts sometimes when you want somebody to like you and they don't. You want somebody to approve of you and they don't. But I can help you to rise above that fear so that it doesn't define you. And the answer to how is you've got to get a different perspective. You've got a new perspective on three areas, God, others, and yourself. God, others, and yourself. So you ready to unpack those three things? If I set you up enough that you're interested, if you need to go to brunch, you can go, but, but I won't keep you long, okay? Let's do this. The first thing we have to do is what? You've got to put God in first place. The psalmist David wrote in 27, one the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? In other words, when the Lord is my light and my salvation, there's nothing to be scared of. That's what he's saying. So, so let's talk about that. Let's break that down. He's got two things there. He's got light and salvation. When the Lord is your light and your salvation, that's when fear loses its power over you. So what does light do? Light illuminates, right? How many of you agree with me that that's scarier in the dark than it is in the light? Yeah. You, you ever been to one of those caverns and they turn the lights off? And it is pitch black. uh, Okay, you made your point. Can you turn the lights back on now? Uh, David says, when I'm confused and afraid, God lights my way. Light provides security. One of the reasons there's a multi, multi, multi-million dollar business on, on motion lights is people want to, as they're walking along, they want the lights to come on. They don't want to walk through a dark spot, parking lots, the yard. I got more lights in my yard than I used to have in my house when I was growing up. It's just, that's just the reality of light provides security and then ultimately light energizes. There's something about light that lifts our spirits and energizes. It's no wonder that Christmas is the happiest for some and the, and, and the most depressing for others because while they are the brightest lights in some places, it's also the, long, the shortest darkest, uh, shortest days, darkest nights of the year, and light has a huge impact. So David's saying, because my relationship with God has that effect on me, it provides me with, uh, w- with lighting my way, and it provides me with security, and it energizes me. Because that's true, I don't have to live under the spirit of fear second thing he says is the Lord is my salvation. What did David mean by that? He knew that no matter what, God would always love him. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The apostle Paul said, nothing can separate us from the love of God. He said, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. God says, no matter who rejects you, I will never reject you. Understand something. Let me teach this, and we're going to move on. because I don't want to keep you too long (coughs) today, but this is critical. The the fear of rejection is based on two ideas. Idea number one is we all need to be loved. Is that true? Yeah. Everybody has a deep need to be loved. In fact, ask anybody that studies these things, sociologists, psychologists, counselors, pastors, anybody who studies these things, they will tell you that every human being needs to love and be loved, and they need to do something worthwhile with their lives. That's what we need. At the end of the day, whatever culture, whatever language, whatever age, whatever gender, that's what we need. So we all need to be loved. That's true. In fact, we need massive doses of love. Can I get an amen? The second idea is that people should meet all of that need. Is that true? No, it's not. People will never meet all of your need for love. They are not capable of meeting all of your need of love. Human love is limited. Only God's love is limitless. There is a God-shaped void that was created in all of us. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes that eternity is imprinted on the hearts of men. That's a God-shaped void for every one of us. And that portion of our need for love can only be met by the one who fits the void. His name is Jesus Christ. Now, don't misunderstand me. God uses people to meet people's needs of love. God uses you to meet other people's needs of love. He uses me to meet other people's needs. It's amazing to me how often, when I'm depending on the Lord and I'm saying, Lord, I need you to be my light and salvation, He'll send somebody just in that moment to give me a word of encouragement or something like that. He uses people, but at the end of the day, human love is limited. God's love is limitless. What I need you to hear me say is that no matter how deep your need is right now, He can fill it and fill it and fill it. Well, I, I've been calling on Him so much, He's tired. No, He never gets tired of filling it. His love never runs dry. He never says, Oh, are you again? That never happens because He loves you, which is why the first step to overcoming the fear of rejection is realizing that God is my light and my salvation. And if he's not, then I beg you, don't leave this room until you establish that. Don't turn your TV set off or YouTube or Facebook or whatever you're watching in right now until you tell somebody, I need God to be my light and my salvation and get somebody to pray with you and agree with you that he will be and then watch him work in your life. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15, make every effort to give yourself to God as the kind of person he will approve. So the first step to overcoming the fear of rejection is what? You've got to put God in first place. The second piece is you've got to put others in their place. And again, that does not mean drop kick them into next week. That's not what that means. People matter to God, therefore people should matter to us i got one amen over here. Didn't hear from you guys. What it's saying is simply is don't live in fear of people's opinions. Put them in in their place. Make sure you know what their place is. The Scriptures are pretty clear about this one. Isaiah 51, 12, the Lord says, I am the one who comforts you. So why should you be afraid of people who die? That's about as direct as you can get, huh? Why should you fear people who die like the grass? They don't just die. They die overnight. Blah. (laughs) It's boom. You know what he's saying? He's saying everybody's temporary but God. They aren't going to last, at least not in this earthly plane. We all have an eternity. And if they're not going to last, then their opinion's not going to last. In other words, don't assume, this is it, lean in. I want you to get this. Don't assume when somebody says something critical to you that their judgment is from God. Listen to what they have to say. Consider whether it's true. Go to the source, the word of God, to judge whether or not it's true. And then base your decision on the one who lasts. His name is Jesus Christ. Otherwise, you're setting yourself up for the fear of rejection because you begin to make life decisions based on, we talked about it in the first message in the series, false evidence appearing real. F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. So, yeah, you've you got to evaluate these things that come to you through the lens of, is it true based on the Word of God? And if it's not, take those thoughts captive. And yet, as simple as that sounds, for many of us, uh, you know, it's, it's just easy to slip under this cloud of wondering what people think about us. For an awful lot of people, image is everything. By the way, how do I look? Do right? I don't look okay? I got a haircut this week. It's, it's a haircut, uh, red. Somebody said red's good color for me. I'm just. I look okay. Does it look okay? Lost a couple of pounds does it show? Uh, I gained a couple the week before. But anyway. You hear what I'm saying? We, we kind of got that, we kind of walk through life. Hear me, guys. Most of what hurting people say to you has more to do with what's going on in their lives than it does with what's going on in your life. I mean, if somebody in your life is hurting and feels like a loser, what are the odds that they're going to have something nice to say to you? Isaiah says, the Lord is the one who comforts. They're just going to die and their opinion's with them. And if you think that's strong, wait till I tell you what the Apostle Paul said about it. Galatians chapter 1 verse 10. Do you think I'm trying to make people accept me? No, God's the one I'm trying to please. Am I trying to please people? If I still wanted to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul saying, I have a choice. It is either the applause of God or the applause of men, and I choose God, which implies the question, which choice are you making? Paul was able to rise above his critics and rise above even imprisonment and ultimate execution in terms of fear that defined his life because he understood he was living for an audience of one. His name was Jesus Christ. I've read many times over the years that the number one fear uh, for human beings is the fear of public speaking. Anybody agree with that one? It's, it's amazing to me. I don't want to embarrass any of you because we honor our law enforcement so very much and we love them. But I did an illustration two or three years ago where I, I, needed, I called Sheriff Pierce, who's one of the elders of our church, and I said, Sheriff Pierce, could, could you get one of your deputies to come and handcuff me on stage for a sermon illustration? He couldn't find a deputy that was willing to walk up on this stage in front of this crowd. They face bullets every day. <laughs> But they weren't coming, so Larry had to do it himself. Sheriff sure, Pierce did it himself, which I was glad to have. But it's, just, it's daunting. I mean, if I came in this morning and said, i tell you what, instead of a sermon today, guys, where set a microphone up, I want you to just go ahead and line up here, and one by one I want you to come up and share your prayer request uh, on the microphone here. We might as well call the emergency response team in the ambulances now because there would be heart attacks all over the house. Some of you would want to get to this mic more than I really want you to, but... <laughs> Here's my shot, right? But hear me, guys. It's okay to care whether people like you. Only psychopaths don't care what people say. But hear me, you don't need the approval of everyone to live a fulfilling life, the one that Jesus promised for you. Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can be against us, which I translate, if God likes me and you don't like me, who has a problem? Not me. (laughs) Because God is for me. I love Pastor Lloyd Ogilvie's prayer. I'd like for us to read it together. Um, And if you're interested, you want copies of this, I'll begin to send it to you. Just email me at info at bridgechurch.cc. I'll send you all of these notes. This prayer is in it. Is it on the screens? Can we read it together? Here we go. Secure in God's love. Come on, read it with me out loud. Let's do this. Secure in God's love, I will not surrender my self-worth to the opinions and judgments of others. When I'm rejected, I will not retaliate. When I am hurt, I will allow God to heal me. And knowing the pain of rejection, I will seek to love those who suffer from its anguish. Oh, God, deliver us from the fear of rejection and the horrible things that it brings into our lives. But if you hope to get there, you gotta first put God in first place, and then you gotta put people in their place. The final key to this whole thing then is put yourself in the proper place. Put yourself in the proper place. You see, the problem for most of us is we struggle to realize just how unique and how valuable we really are, which sets us up for the fear of of rejection. Here's what happens, guys. (coughs) You tell me if it's true. Somebody criticizes us, and, and we know on some level that it's coming from what's going on in their lives, not what's going on in ours. But down deep, we believe what they've just said is true. And it sucks the confidence right out of us. Before we know it, fear is starting to define whether we step up, whether we step out. It, it, it defines whether we say yes to God when He calls. It defines, we just start 2nd and guessing ourselves in every area of our lives. The problem is when you look, At life, through the lens of of fears, you become so absorbed in your own pain that you can't see the pain of others so that when God wants to send you to make a difference in somebody else's life, you can't because you're absorbed in your own. The only way you do that is you've got to believe what God says about you. So let me tell you three things, and we'll bring this home, three things that God says about you. He says about me. Number one, I am created by God, and God don't make no junk. Come on, say it with me. God don't make no junk. One more time. God don't make no junk. Psalm 8, 4, and 5. What? are mere mortals that you should think about them, human beings that you should care about them, yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. Some translations uh, will translate that a little lower than the angels, okay? Uh, the, The Hebrew word is Elohim, that can be translated God, it can be translated a spiritual being, it can be translated angel, but the bottom line is that you and I are crowned with glory and honor. Hear me, guys, it is not prideful to embrace that because that's the truth. It's only prideful when you use it to draw attention to yourself, it's only prideful when you think that you caused it to happen. So, I've got gifts and talents and abilities, and you got gifts and talents and abilities. And the only reason we got them is God gave them to us. And so, we give him the glory for everything that happens. But those gifts and talents and abilities and opportunities and relationships and all that stuff, he's given it for glory. He's crowned us with the glory of that. We want to give it back to him as our gift too. Him, but don't ever shrink from that reality. I am a child of the King. He created me, and God don't make no junk. You know, I grew up in Eastern North Carolina, and one of the cultural things in Eastern North Carolina, sorry, it's other parts of the world too, I'm sure, but one of the things that I see common uh, in Eastern North Carolina uh, in the culture is, is if you acknowledge any giftings that you have, you're not being humble. Well, guys, humility is not putting yourself down. That's not humility. Humility is recognizing whatever you have and whatever you've done is because of him and you give him the glory for it. That's humility. Humility is saying, okay, Lord, you've given me this thing. Ah, you're smarter than I am, so I guess you knew what you were doing. Now I'm just going to give it back to you as an offering of worship and service. I am yours. You didn't make no junk. So I'm going to find out what you made me to do, and I'm going to do it. The second thing, the second truth, is I'm loved by God. I'm created by him. He didn't make no jump. And I'm loved by him. Say it with me. I am loved by God. Say it out loud. I am loved by God. Look at somebody and say, you are loved by God. You are loved by God. Now look at somebody else and say, I am loved by God. Isn't it amazing how much easier to say you are loved than to say I am loved? We struggle with that sometimes, but it's true. Ephesians 1, 4, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. He does not love you because of what you've done. He decided to love you before you ever did anything. Come on. He doesn't love you because of what you've done. He loves you because of what Jesus did. And so that love is available to you because Jesus paid for it on the cross. it's, It's free, but it wasn't cheap. It wasn't cheap. Jesus gave his very life. All we have to do is accept what he did for us and love him back. That's why Paul wrote to the church at Corinth who struggled with a lot of stuff. There was a lot of junk in the church at Corinth, and Paul called it out. In his second letter, he said, man, I'm sorry that my first letter was so hard. Uh, I'm sorry that it hurt your feelings, but I'm not sorry I wrote it because you needed to hear it. <laughs> I loved you enough to tell you the truth. And in his second letter, he says in chapter 10, verse 18, when people commend themselves, it doesn't count for much. The important thing is what? For the Lord to commend Bottom line, it doesn't eternally matter what other people say about me. It doesn't eternally matter what I say about me. The only thing that really matters is what God says. So rehearse that truth. Satan will whisper all kind of junk in your head. Rehearse the truth. God created me and God don't make no junk. God created me and God don't make no junk. I am loved by God. And then finally, No matter who rejects me, God never will. No matter who rejects me, God never will. Psalm 2710, even if my father and my mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. He's not saying that your parents are going to abandon you. He's, He's trying to think of the quintessential expression of how painful it would be to be rejected by somebody that you don't want to be rejected by. And even if that happens, he says, you can still count on me. I'll still be there. I'll still be close. I will still love you. I, I will not reject you. I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you to the ends of the days. Can I just say a, just a word to maybe somebody in the room or somebody online? Some of you are adults and, and you're still trying to win your parents' approval. Never could growing up, and now you're going. Man, I just if I could, if I get this, they'll finally say I'm proud of you. If I can, if I can do that, they'll they'll finally love me. And I just I need you to hear me say that that if you don't have your parents' approval by now, it likely has nothing to do with you. It has to do with them. I've been in ministry for 40, none of your business years. My mother, dedicated Christian, loved Jesus, went to heaven three years ago. She never said the words, I'm proud of you, until I was 62 years old. And when she said it, it shocked me so deeply, I didn't know how to respond. I never doubted that she loved me. I just knew there were some really deep hurts in her life that made it really hard for her to say those words. So hear me, even if your parents have some hurts or habits or hang-ups or fears that makes it impossible for them to communicate what you feel like you need from them, God says, I'll be your dad. I'll be your heavenly father. I'll fill that void. And together, we'll do our best to help your parents find healing too. Okay, pastor, I get this, but why would you take a whole Sunday morning talking about the fear of rejection? I think it's because there are far too many of us that have never realized our dreams, we've never fulfilled our faith, we've never found the fulfilling life, the abundant life that Jesus promised because of this. It's not that we don't have the gifts to do it. It's not that we don't have the opportunities to do it or even the potential relationships to do it. It's that we're holding back from stepping out because we're afraid of rejection. We're afraid afraid that we won't be accepted. We're afraid that we won't be enough. We're afraid that it won't work out. And I need you to understand, God created you and he don't make no junk. He made you to be you. You will not give an account before God as to why you weren't more like Moses or Abraham or, or Pastor Jim or Travis. You're going to give an account for why you weren't more like you. The best you could be in the power of God operating in your life. He accepts you. He loves you, just wants you to love him back. We keep a phrase on our door all the time that stirs conversation sometimes. It's kind of the point, really. A place where you can belong before you believe. Every now and then, I, this week, I had somebody say, ah, I went to that church, and they said, it don't matter what you believe there. I ain't going to that church. You know what that means, where you can belong before you believe? It means that we're obeying Romans chapter 15, verse 7. Accept one another as Christ accepts you. How did Christ accept you? Just the way you are. He loves you just the way you are. He loves you too much for you to stay the way you are. He wants us to grow and be the best version of of who he created us to be, we possibly can. He wants us to depend on him to fill in the difference between what we're capable of and what he's called us to do it. But at the end of the day, he does not love you because he just loves you. If there's a because, it's because of who he is. So can we pray a prayer together? Would you close your eyes for just a minute? Just nobody looking around, not going to embarrass anybody, but I really do want to pray a prayer with you this morning because I think this is one of those issues that's so huge for all of us to deal with, no matter where you are in your relationship with God. So pray a simple prayer with me. Jesus, help me to take those truths from my head to my heart where I don't just know they're true, I actually believe they're true. You created me. You don't make no junk. You love me not because I did enough because I can't do enough. You love me because of what Jesus did. You just want me to love you back. And no matter who rejects me, you never will. And so I accept your offer of grace. Come on, guys, wherever you are in your journeys, pray it out loud, pray it silently. I don't care. Just Jesus, I accept your offer of grace. I accept your fresh start. And I thank you that by doing that, I can begin to rise above the fear of rejection I care what people say about me, but I will not be defined by it. I'll be defined by what you say, Lord. And I will live a life that honors you. In Jesus' name, amen.